0: We're always looking for the Teslas. Anybody's got a Tesla and you want to take my kids for a ride, they love it. But whenever you see, you know, a new car driving down the road, you're like, oh, what's the power source in that car? Is it electric? Is it hybrid? Is it old-fashioned gasoline? Is it burning diesel? Like, you always want to know, like, how's that car moving? Like, what's the power behind the car? And so we'll, we'll ask this morning, well, what's the power source for the transformation that I've just been describing? The power behind it is Jesus and what he has done on the cross. Verse 13. Verse 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Remember the distance between us and God, the hopelessness. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has made a way. It's made a way for the far away to be brought near. That that verb, brought near, in the Greek, it's a passive verb, which means this. It means we're not the ones acting. God is the one acting. God is the one dying on the cross. God is the one bringing us near. Secondly, what's the power for reconciliation with our fellow man? Well, it's the same It's Jesus, verse 16, look at this, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, killing the hostility. Those two groups that couldn't get along, the Jews and the Gentiles, they're both reconciled to God now because of what Jesus did on the cross And what he did on the cross, it resulted in the hostility between them being killed. Racism and prejudice and anything else that kept them or keeps us from loving and being united to brothers and sisters has been killed on the cross. When Jesus was put on the cross, all that garbage, all that hatred, all of that treatment, it was put to death. Look at verse 16 again. The hostility has been killed on the cross. I can imagine what some of the people in Ephesus were thinking as they read this letter 2,000 years ago. Paul, Paul, you don't understand. You don't get what this person did to me. Paul, you don't get it. They're culturally so different than me. I say black, they say white. I say red, they say blue. We're totally different, Paul. You don't get it. You don't understand what they did to me politically. You don't understand, Paul. Can you just imagine them saying that? But Paul did understand. Paul knew how controversial it was what he was writing. You want to know how I know that? You're going to get to this maybe next week, chapter one, or chapter three, verse one. Paul's writing this letter from prison. You want to know why he's in prison? Acts 21, verse 27. Paul got arrested under the accusation that he brought a Gentile into the temple. Paul gets it. He understands how deep the prejudices were in the people that he was writing to. Oh boy, the gospel of Jesus, it can get you in trouble with religious people, can't it? Talk to Jesus. Some people are going to accuse you of being too liberal. Some are going to say you're too conservative. Some, some are going to say you're too much of this. Others are going to say you're too much of that. Loving people who are ethnically and culturally different than you, it's not easy. It's not easy for the church. And some of you this morning, you're very realist. You're like, you're realist about this. And you're hearing what I'm saying, and you're like, that's great, Chris. Woohoo, unity. But the church hasn't done this really well. Okay, maybe you're right. You know what? You're definitely right. This is something the church has always struggled with because this is hard. It is way easier for you to go get yourself a yard sign, put it in your front yard, and say, I love my neighbor. It's way harder to do that than to love the people within your church. It's way easier to get a little rubber wristband and wear it around your wrist that says, I love everybody, than to actually love sacrificially. This is hard. Living it out is hard. I I thought I was going to have time to get into this, but Later in the book of Galatians, we find out Peter, you know, the Peter, the famous Peter, he struggled with this. In fact, Paul had to call out Peter about this because Peter didn't get it right. Yeah, the Peter. <laughs> this is hard. You can check that out in Galatians chapter 2 if you're interested. We could go on and on and on about all the examples of Jesus' followers. who we, They didn't get this right all the time. Trinity, living as the people of God, is hard. There's going to be temptation to retreat into your own comfortable corner. But God is calling you out. God is calling Trinity to help outsiders become insiders through Jesus. And you know how he's calling us to do that? This is a tongue twister. God calls us To live inside out so that we can bring outsiders in. God is calling us to live inside out so that we can bring outsiders in. So where do we go from here? Well, verse 17. Talking about Jesus, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. This is what Jesus has done. He is the peace Preacher. I know there's a lot of people that promise peace, right? Lots of folks are looking for peace. I, I was looking at Oprah's website this week, and she's got this article, How to Find Inner Peace and Happiness in the Chaos. I'm not going to pick on Oprah, okay? She's got plenty of other people picking on her. But there are hundreds and thousands of books and podcasts and seminars you can go to about finding inner peace. And here, though, in verse 17, we see that Jesus came and offers a lasting peace to those who are far away and to those who are near. On this day, to you, Jesus is preaching a message of peace. Are you listening? There might be someone here who has been looking for peace all over the place. You've been reading books. You've been listening to podcasts. You've been trying different things, looking to find peace. Will you come to Jesus to find the peace that he's offering? If you're a peace seeker this morning, I encourage you, find it in Jesus. And Jesus was a... Peace preacher, we see this in verse 17, and he calls us to do the same thing. Into the anxiety and fear of the culture where we live, God is asking us to be peace preachers. In racial conflict, we get to preach a reconciling peace. In the chaos, we get to preach a steady peace. In anxiety and fear, we preach a comforting peace where there's division and hurt, we preach a forgiving peace. God is calling us to be agents of his peace. But as we tie this together, we can't let this be abstract, right? It's it's great to know that God can reconcile groups that are at odds with one another, but living it out is way different, right? I know that I shouldn't eat high saturated fat and sugar and sodium. But when my wife made an amazing cheeseburger last night, it was really hard to say no to it, right? Knowing something and actually doing it are two different things. So let's make this not abstract. Let's bring this down to the real world that we're living in. There might be someone at this very moment in this church who has a broken relationship with someone in this church, and that relationship might be strained for whatever reason. I have no idea why. Pastor Dan has not given me any insider information. (laughs) And right now, you're thinking about leaving this church to get away from that person that's driving you crazy. That's not what happens when heaven invades relationships. When heaven invades relationships, we recognize Jesus actually died to bring us together. I want to encourage you, if there's someone here that you need to reconcile with, do it. Jesus shed his blood so that you could. Or there might be someone this morning here who is just really struggling with hatred or animosity or frustration towards a group of people that maybe they see something about the world totally different than you they may see something politically different than you or socially or ethically and it may be one of your brothers and sisters in this room and to be honest it might be something like as trivial as what's the best translation of the bible <laughs> or maybe someone is a calvinist and you're an arminian and you've just been butting heads about it for years. Or maybe it's some other theological thing that at the end of the day really doesn't matter. It might be someone in this church. It might be someone you work with. It might be a family member. I want to encourage you, every time you think of that person this week, think about them through the lens of the scripture that we just read and the work that Jesus has done to bring you together despite your differences. God has made you one. And if God has reconciled the both of you to him, it is high time to be reconciled to one another. And finally, there may be some here who are struggling immensely with people that may not yet be Christians, and they see the world totally different than you do. Like I said, you say black, they say white. They see things totally opposite you. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they criticize you. I want to finish with a God-sized story that I hope will inspire your confidence that God is still doing today what he did 2,000 years ago in Ephesus. So here it is. And if you know me, you wouldn't be surprised that I'm going to tell a story about an international student. There was an international student who left his home in south-central Turkey. And of all places to go as an international student, this young man went to Jerusalem, which is quite the city to study in. He did really well with his education, way above average, and was growing in influence there. And he got connected to a group of people that hated Christians. They regularly bothered Christians. They, they, they antagonized Christians. And some of the people in this group had, in fact, determined that they were going to kill Christians. And one day, this young man participated in the killing of a Christian. And after that, did not feel any remorse and continued again and again and again to terrorize Christians whenever he got the chance. And because he was well-connected with the local government, he continued to terrorize Christians with impunity. Sounds like a pretty tough guy, huh? You want to know his name? Paul. The Apostle Paul. The one who wrote the letter that we're studying today. Paul knew better than anybody that has ever lived what happens when God takes a complete outsider and makes them an insider. The stuff that Paul wrote about, about how God can transform relationships, you better believe it. This guy understood it because he was the worst that he could be. So if you think that the person God is calling you to love is too far away, Remember, you're studying a letter in God's word that is written by somebody who today would be considered a terrorist who was transformed by the love and the power of Almighty God and is calling the church to live out the high calling of reconciliation within and with the world to which God has called us. May it be so, Trinity. God, may it be so. Paul reminds us not just with the words that he wrote, but with the life that he lived, that you are mighty and powerful. And God, I bless your name. I praise you. Something special is happening here in this room. God, you are doing something here at Trinity, and we bless your name. We thank you, God. May you continue to unite this church May their unity, despite all their differences, be this powerful proclamation to Fairfield and Bridgeport and beyond that the gospel, they believe, is true and powerful. God, may it be so. Amen.